He has no rival. He has no equal. What a beautiful name, the name of Jesus. So Hayden, I have a question for you. I'll let you get your mic turned on because you know I was going to do this. So I'm going to do this a little different. I got a question for you. I'll answer that. Have you ever ridden a bull? No. Me neither. (laughs) Have you ever had conversations like that where somebody does exactly that and you think, oh, they're going to tell me how to do this or or you expect that they've been there, done that, right? I mean, that's what you're thinking when they ask a question like that. Well, I have had conversations that way. Usually somebody talking about something and then ending with that line of questioning, just like I did with Hayden. They lead you to believe that they have been there, done that, but in reality, they have not been there and done that at all. The last few weeks, we've learned about Jesus being superior to angels and greater than Moses. But the next comparison in Hebrews talks about Jesus as the great high priest. He is greater than Aaron. And, you know, with that, I have to stop and ask, what is a high priest? I mean, what did the high priest do? What are their duties? What's their purpose? What, what, what purpose did their office fulfill? And how does Jesus fulfill this position? So I, I've got a definition here this morning that I want to share with us from the Holman Illustrated uh, Dictionary. It says, the concept of priesthood is an integral to both the Old Testament and the New Testament and is fulfilled in Christ as mediator. And great high priest. The foundation of the priestly ministry is found in the Old Testament, where the priestly ministry is assigned to the Aaronic line of descent in the tribe of Levi. According to the Old Testament model, the priest fulfilled a representative function, entering the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement and making a sacrificial offering on behalf of the people. As mediator, Christ fulfilled the represent, representational role to which the Aaronic priesthood pointed. The, like Pastor Brandon said earlier, we're kind of changing up today's schedule kind of a little bit, and I'm changing the sermon up a little bit too. Um, Usually how Pastor David does his introduction and part of his sermon, and then he does his bullet points or whatever. Today we're starting out with our very first bullet point. Um, which our very first bullet point today is the first high priest was Aaron. The first high priest was Aaron, who was Moses' older brother. When God told Moses that he was going to lead the Israelites out of bondage and into the promised land, Moses came up with excuses as to why he should not be the leader. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10 Exodus chapter 4, verse 10 says, Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I am not a man of words, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and tongue. Then Moses goes on in verse 13 to say, O Lord, please send someone else to do it. The Lord was angry and said, Well, you have a brother named Aaron, the Levite. He can speak well. Verse 16 says, Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. Together, Moses and Aaron led the Israelites out of Egypt. Now, fast forward, and the 
Israelites are now wandering around the desert. They came to the desert of Sinai and camped there. There is where God called Moses to the top of Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments were established. While Moses was on the mountain, he left Aaron in charge. Big mistake. <laughs> the Israelites, I guess, got tired of waiting for Moses to come down or thought something had happened to him and demanded for Aaron to produce, to, for, uh, to produce a sign of God's presence. He told the Israelites to take off the gold earrings and he threw them into the fire. A golden calf was made and they worshiped the calf. The Lord and Moses were not happy with Aaron and the people and in fact Moses commanded the, Israel, the Levites to kill others in the camp. Even though Aaron messed up, the Lord still made Aaron the first high priest of the Levites. Exodus chapter 29 verse 9 says, The priesthood is theirs by a lasting ordinance. Ah, um, I said that one wrong. Anyway, in this way you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. So apparently during the Old Testament times, the only requirement to be a high priest was you had to have Levi jeans. Aaron's line of family were the, priests, were the priests until the destruction of the temple. Unlike Aaron's priesthood, Jesus' priesthood is permanent and eternal, meaning it cannot be changed or passed down. Um, this brings us to our second bullet point, which is, um, well, is our second point, which is Jesus is the great high priest because he is in heaven. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to faith we profess. Jesus was beaten and whipped. He had to carry his own cross to the hill. He was nailed to the cross. He was mocked and spit upon. He died, a he died a gruesome, slow, and painful death. He was the ultimate sacrifice that allowed us to have a personal relationship with God, our Father. You don't have to go through a human being to get to Jesus. And you don't have to sacrifice things like bull or sheep. You can go directly to Jesus. Um... Jesus is our great high priest because he is without sin. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testing we do. Yet he did not sin. Jesus was born without sin, but was tempted in every fleshly way, and still remained without sin. Jesus was led, Jesus was led by the, well, I messed that up again. Yeah, Jesus was led to the, to a desert by the Spirit. At this time, at that time, he was tempted by Satan. 
Jesus went without food for 40 days and 40 nights, so he was hungry. Satan told Jesus, if you are the son of God, then tell these stones to be made into bread. Jesus said, it is written man is not to live on bread only. Satan tried and tried to tempt Jesus in every fleshly way, in every chance he got, but Jesus did not give in. Today, we let our, we let our flesh, pride, and lust lead us into sinning. Jesus provides us with constant access to the throne of grace. That's our third bullet point. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You can approach the throne of grace any time you want to because of Jesus' sacrifice. We do this through faith. The throne is not a place of judgment, but mercy and grace. We come to the Father and ask for forgiveness. This brings us to our fourth bullet point, which is Jesus is the Son of God. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5 says, In the same way Christ did not take on himself, the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. A priest had to be appointed by God. Jesus did not appoint himself, even though he could have, since he's God. This verse shows us that God the Father appointed Jesus as high priest. Um, Jesus is the author of eternal salvation. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9 says, And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designed by, des, des, uh, designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Our sins should separate us from God forever, but because of Jesus' death on the cross, we are saved from the penalty of sin, which is death. If we have faith, repent, and call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved and have eternal life with him. Finally, Jesus is the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews chapter 5 talks about the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 6 says, And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Verse 10 says, referring to Jesus, he was designed by God, designated by God to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Who was this Melchizedek guy? And what does he have to do with Jesus or God? Well, Pastor David can talk about him in another sermon. <laughs> yeah. So maybe like next week or something. I I'm, I'm just putting it on you, so. Yeah. So, why should we care that Jesus is the great high priest? Why is it important that Jesus is our high priest? Levite priests offered sacrifices to satisfy the law of God, but Jesus offered the greatest sacrifice ever, himself. And by dying on the cross, there is eternal redemption forgiveness, and a hope that we too can be a part of, the family of God. As sinners, we deserve to be separated from God forever. 
Instead, Jesus took our place. Finally, Jesus is important because Jesus became a man and lived among people. He was tempted and experienced many weaknesses, just like us. Jesus was appointed by God himself, and so we may come unto the throne of grace and may obtain, obtain, obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, if you're looking for a high priest in your life, Jesus is the best high priest, and he wants to have a personal relationship with each of us. You know, I didn't have to beg him to come do this. He, he asked if he could come and preach today. Um, and what you heard was his sermon. And, and we studied the passages separately but together as we read through them. And, and, and one point that, that I feel God laid on my heart through this that adds to what Hayden has just said is how did Jesus, the great high priest, experience weaknesses and temptation as I have? And Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. It's no coincidence that, that what Hayden put together and what God was laying on my heart at the same time is weaves in and out together and then... I found out last night, didn't think about it too much, that we had communion today. And honestly, this all fits right in with communion today. God is the God of the universe. Jesus is the God of the universe. He is our creator. How can he understand me? I mean, how can he sympathize? That's what it says in verse 15. How can he sympathize with my weakness if he's the God of the universe? Well, Genesis 3, 1 through 7, I want to read that for you, if I get my finger to turn here. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat from fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. I also want to share 1 John two fifteen through 17 with you. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And then Hayden touched on this, but I want to go through Matthew 4, 1, 11, 3, which is the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. 
Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, the angels came and attended him. The worship team and the communion guys would like to come up, we'll proceed. The devil tempts us all the same way, with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He tempted Jesus that way. Jesus was hungry, he tempted him with the flesh. Make this into food so you can eat. With the lust of the eyes, look at all that you can have. I'll give it to you if you throw yourself, if, if you just bow down to me. See, Jesus also experienced grief. In, in John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept over the death of his beloved friend Lazarus. He also experienced grief. It says in, in Luke 19, 41, that as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over the unsaved souls, over the unbelieving nation of Israel that would not accept him because he wept over the, the nation missing the signs of the Messiah as he entered Jerusalem. He grieved his own death. He feared dying to the point of sweating blood. But yet he knew it was God's will that he die. He faced frustration with his disciples. There's too many scriptures to look that up. Uh, he faced betrayal by one of his chosen 12. In fact, he handpicked that guy knowing he would betray him. But yet, he still picked him. He knew loneliness on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But here's the thing. He is the greater high priest because he defeated sin with his death and his own blood on the cross. And the real defeat comes in his resurrection. Because the scriptures tell us that on the third day he rose again from the grave. And he now sits with, sits with Jesus or with God in heaven on his throne. And he is a mediator there for us. Coming to God as a, as a defense attorney when the devil comes and brings his accusations. He says, nope, I paid for that with my blood. That sin is forgiven. That's who Jesus is. And this morning we celebrate communion, which is a representation of the blood. That's what the juice represents, and, and, and the bread represents the body that was beaten and bruised for us. Jesus tells us in Matthew uh, chapter 26, he says, um, let me get there. In verse 27, then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. Actually, let me go back to 26, Sorry. While, you, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. 
think through that thought process of Jesus being the great high priest. Part of the priestly duties was to go into the Holy of Holies and present a yearly sacrifice, sprinkling of blood on the mercy seat of God. Our high priest has done that. Our high priest has sprinkled his blood on the altar that God provided for him to do it on the cross so that we might have salvation. That if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, that he is the Son of God, and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we would be saved. Process through what we've sang this morning, what we've read this morning, what we've heard from, from God's word this morning as we pass out the cup and the, and the bread.